So, have you ever um, had a meal on an airplane? Have you ever been on an airplane long enough where you had like an actual meal? No, the the I think the only flight I had that was like long enough to serve a meal on was a red eye. Uh-huh. So everyone was supposed oh, okay. to be sleeping. Yeah. I did not. I was busy not sleeping up against a window. Yeah, so I, I've been on a few flights where you had a, uh, a, a meal, a hot meal, and it's always uh, fun to like, when you have options. Sometimes you don't have options, you know, but it's you know, hot or cold. <laughs> but uh, the options, hot so, or cold? <laughs> not always, sometimes. But so recently on uh, British Airways, uh, in the, uh, in the, business class they promise comfort and luxury and um an american who was flying british airlines uh, tweeted a photo of the menu and uh the the option one of the options looks really really tasty it was home county's venison stew which was uh to be served with rosemary dumplings uh roasted chestnuts and wilted kale so it sounds like a, a decent option, right? Sounds good to me. Um, but if you keep reading, there's actually like a warning at the bottom of the menu option, and it says, even though greatest care has been taken, due to the nature of the product, there is a very small risk of bullet fragments that could be found in the meal. What, what is this, Appalachia? <laughs> like, I'm like... <laughs> so you pay really good money to, uh, to fly business class, you uh, you order your nice venison, and you get a, a, a forkful of bullet fragments. So that's high class living, David. I I don't want bullets in my food. Mm. Like I said, Jim Jim Bob and Appalachia might not mind it, <laughs> but I do. Okay, Just order it no bullets next time, please. Of course, this is subjectively correct sports live, the only podcast featuring David and Anthony the Subjectively Correct Sports Team, talking sports and an assortment of other things. Uh, my new personal favorite is bullets in airline food. Yeah. You, you can't say bullet on a plane, though. You can't say bullet on a plane. Don't um, do it. Don't do it. Yeah. It, that would be, like, how, yeah. So I guess that circumvents the uh, the no guns or ammo on the airplane rules, right? Right. So does the airline need to, like, kick itself off its flight? You can perform a citizen's arrest in the air. That makes perfect sense to me. We all become air marshals when there's a bullet on the plane. We're all passenger 57. What's the Snipes? Oh, is that a Snipes? Is that a Snipes vehicle? That's the sign for Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. That was bad. It was above average. But your handwork is usually your best work. If if you're watching on YouTube or if you're watching the live stream. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast as well on Apple uh, Podcasts or Google Play. Search Subjectively Correct Sports, and we'll pop up there. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe. Aren't that many other podcasts named Subjectively Correct? In fact, I think we're the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For now, until we get the copycats. Of course. Riding our coattails. Riding our coattails to success. Uh, you can also check out our website, subjectivelycorrect.com. Uh, stay tuned for that. We might be adding some things there. We're not sure. We kind of have some big plans for 2019. Uh, you can email the show at subjectivelycorrect at gmail.com. If you have funny news stories or interesting things you want to talk about or you just want to communicate with the show where we're thinking about getting some merch out there to you, uh, merch. That is, uh, that's shorthand for merchandise, which means stuff that we're going to sell you. So you get merch and you get dice. Mm-mm, nope. Nope, not what that means. Merch and dice. Not what that means. Uh, lots of stuff going on in sports. 
of course, as always, it seems like this time of the year everything's heating up, except for baseball, which doesn't really heat up until like October. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It is that. Football. Yeah. Let's talk some NFL. Uh, there were some really good bowl games. And, and no, I'm just kidding. There weren't. There weren't any good ball games. <laughs> so don't. <laughs> that's just a little little college football humor I like to throw yeah. in at the beginning of the show sometimes. No good ball uh, games. But Chiefs Chargers was a game that we were watching. Yeah. While we were recording last Thursday, and uh, I don't know if uh, all of our fans saw it, but I actually posted a video celebrating myself because I called that Philip Rivers was going to be down a touchdown and have mm-hmm. to go the length of the field with one or no timeouts. That's what happened. And he pulled it out. Old Phil Rivers. Old Phil Rivers. He, uh, he made it happen, and he got that win at the end. A couple of blown coverages by the Chiefs didn't, didn't, uh, you know, didn't hurt <laughs> the Chargers' cause there. But uh, they ended up getting the win, which was impressive. And the Chiefs, I wouldn't say they're on a slide. I mean, they've lost to good teams. Yeah, they've lost to the Rams, the Patriots. Are the Patriots good? Bubble good. We're going to talk about that. And uh, and now the Chargers. Who The Chargers, I think we can firmly say, Chargers are good. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the playoff breakdown a little bit later, but it, it feels like the Chiefs and the Chargers are the teams that are going to make it out of the uh, out of the AFC when it comes to the, the West and the wild card, whatever. But we'll get into that a little bit more. But they both look really, really solid. And the, the Chargers started off the season not looking so hot, but then they rattled off a big old win streak. Yeah. And it may have just been them finding the right personnel for the right situations or for whatever reason. They're clicking right now on both sides of the ball, and they're getting a lot of wins in a lot of tough situations. Yeah, and uh, it's one thing to, to be dominant in your wins. Uh, they haven't looked dominant in many games, but they've looked resilient, which... Maybe maybe more important when it comes time for the playoffs because if, if there's something they haven't been in the past, it's resilient. Yeah. Um, you look at two weeks ago against the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were down 23 to seven late in the third quarter with like 16 minutes to go. They were down 16 points. They ended up scoring 26 points over the last 16 and a half minutes. Ended up winning 33 30. On a game-winning field goal. First time in Chargers history. They won on a game-winning field goal. That's the first game-winning field goal in Chargers history? No. It just felt oh, that way. Well, that's the it truth. It just felt that it way. It felt the truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're saying. And then and then just this Thursday against Kansas City, they were down 21-7 with about 20 minutes to go. With about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they ended up scoring 22 points over the next 20 minutes. Ended up winning 29-28. This, three of their touchdowns... Is this right? I think... Or maybe it's two or two or three of their touchdowns. They they went for the two point conversion, right? Which you read these stories, the analytics, right? They say go for the two, go for the two. It's funny. The actual the 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 one scenario where they shouldn't have gone for the two was the one that won them the game, right? Yeah, <laughs> because they could have lost the game, right? right? Well, I think when you're playing the Chiefs, you you do things a little bit differently because you feel like the Chiefs are going to score. Yeah. Right? I mean, you just kind of feel like they're going to score. And they hadn't scored for a few possessions. And so, you know, it's just like a matter of time before Andy Reid draws something up to get get them a touchdown. Uh, I wonder how, how much the absence of Kareem Hunt has hurt them in, in late-game situations, the yeah. Chiefs. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I wish more coaches would do what the Chargers did, which was we want to go out there and win the game on the final play instead of hoping that we can win in overtime. And, I mean, it worked out really well. Like I said, a busted coverage by the Chiefs didn't help. I mean, uh, was it Williamson? Just ended up, uh, or Williams, Will something, ended up in the corner all by himself. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a gutsy call, but it was obviously the right call. But my question is, if, if 
that pass would have been knocked down, or if Ole Phil got sacked, do you think we call it a good decision? Well, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you, do you, we play the results there instead of instead of whether or not it was a good decision based off of the yeah the you call al- itself. You'll always have the analysts who who second guess when it doesn't work. Yeah, right. Um, and but I remember when they scored the touchdown, my immediate reaction was go for two, go for two, even if it's not the right play call. I think it was that was that the football fan in you saying I want the excitement, I yeah. want the adrenaline, go for two. Yeah, because I okay. yeah I thought that that would have been the best way to cap off the game, win or lose. To, to go for two um and it just felt like they had a lot of momentum at that point right i mean they had just scored like i said 22 points over the last 20 minutes they really uh weren't being stopped on offense at all and and i imagine the the offensive coordinator and the coach were talking like i think this will score you know they probably had a play in mind yeah that they knew we were going to score by i really wish i get a little uh exhausted of the the total access or the the mic'd up players and coaches and stuff like that because they never show us any of the good stuff and i'm not talking about the swearing and the stuff like that i mean i don't care if they bleep out the swearing but i mean like actual football talk like actual basketball talk like they cut to the sideline it's mike d'antoni who's supposed to be like an offensive mastermind who's changed the nba and all that he says on the sidelines to his players is like let's go let's play hard now we gotta rebound the ball (laughs) Come on, you, you energy, know, three you, more minutes. You know how I would pay to have mic'd up? I would pay $5 to listen to him all game. It's Philip Rivers. That guy, he's so, no, he's so excited. If you've ever seen him in a post-game interview, he's so excited and he doesn't blink. He's just like this the whole time. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, I, I know he's known, he's known as having like the most memeable face in football. <laughs> yeah, no, there's some good, some good photos oh, and, so, and gifts uh, of him out there. But no, no photos of him in a coonskin hat, which is super disappointing. I'm sure they exist. They just haven't made their way to the internet. I don't know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Bears Packers. Bears finally exercised their demons. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is no longer their daddy, at least at least for this season. Uh, I think he had been what like eight and eight and two over the last decade at Soldier Field. Yeah, which is crazy. Which is crazy, especially considering the defenses that they have had. Yeah. Right? So that's impressive. I mean, like we talked about on Thursday, the defense they have this year just seems extra special. Mm-hmm. I mean the pressure up the middle, of course, helps. And Mac getting uh, pressure from the outside that with that new addition, he's settled in. He's playing really well now, and of course that's going to give a team like the Packers trouble, whose offensive line is made better by Aaron Rodgers, uh, with his ability to move in the pocket, step up when he needs to. Uh, he knows he knows how to feel pressure and change the point of attack for the defense, and so he makes the offensive line look better than it really is because of his pocket presence. But then, so is Aaron Rodgers good? Stop it. So the uh, but then the Bears just pressure up the middle and off the yeah. side so easily. There's nowhere for Aaron to go, and so I mean they look the, dominant over the last couple weeks. And I don't know, I, I would not want to play them in the in the playoffs with that defense. No, not at all. And and I think they they found the you have like two formulas in the NFL, right? You've got the you draft the the Hall of Fame quarterback, your Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Nick Mullins. He beat the Seahawks this week. Yes, the 49ers did beat the Seahawks this week. Uh, so you, you, you get you get lucky or you, you draft well and you get your, your Hall of Fame quarterback and that quarterback lifts you to, to championship levels. Right. Or you find that young quarterback, coach him up, and surround him with an amazing defense. Right? Like Joe Flacco. Yep. Right? And, okay... Everyone's saying that Joe Flacco is a highly coveted free agent at the end of this year. No, no stay away from that. Unless you have a young quarterback that could use like a veteran quarterback no to show. Yeah, <laughs> don't, t- don't touch Joe Flacco. <laughs> I just, like a quarterback that's that old who only is who who 
whose biggest successes have come when his defenses were like one of the best defenses ever. Yeah. Like you don't want that quarterback at that age. You just don't. Like why would you why would you build around that? The only team yeah. I feel like he would really elevate are teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the New York Giants. Yeah. Right? But the New York Giants are saying that they're going to stick with Eli Manning and I don't yeah. get it. Right, so hold, I'm sorry. Pause I'm sorry. on the Flacco. Talk, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, but 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 I I think that that's you've got the Hall of Fame quarterback, but or you've got the young quarterback with the amazing defense, Flacco. Think of uh, Goff in, in L.A. Wentz last year, yeah. right? Um, Trubisky this year. It's it's a it's a formula that works. If you can have an amazing defense and a quarterback who's good enough and on a good contract all these quarterbacks you mentioned are on good rookie contracts which surround them with great talent exactly on offense and defense and that's what the rams have done with golf they it was what the seahawks did in uh with russell wilson yes you get that cheap contract and you can build that defense you can build around the the ben roethlisberger Roethlisberger, right and so it's just like you said that's probably the best formula right now in the nfl it's what we're seeing with the chiefs although mahomes seems like he's extra special uh the chiefs the browns who are, are they're, Browns they're, are good. Browns are going to Brown. Are you you're willing to say that they're not even bubble good? I think, I think if you started the season over today, I think they'd win the AFC North. I really do. I really do. We're going to talk about the Browns in a second. All right. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't think of what we were talking about before. I'm just. <laughs> I think they have a better record over the last six games than anyone else in the AFC. They are. North. They are balling right now. They are yeah. balling right now. Um. All right. So, Bears dominant. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bears are dominant. Defense is amazing. The offense is good enough. Um, like you were saying, no, there's no other team I would be so afraid to play in the playoffs because a good defense can can really neutralize. It doesn't matter how good the offense is. If you have, if you're able to create pressure in the pocket, uh, you neutralize any good offense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Do you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers' uh, streak? Yeah, why'd you prove streak? Like, it's no big deal. Like, oh, streak. Like, it's no big deal. I mean, go ahead. You talk, talk about the streak. So, this one's for you, Colt. So, I don't know what it is with me and Colt. Like, we have this weird feud where he's like, anytime Aaron Rodgers does something that's not perfect, he's like, oh, what happened to Aaron Rodgers? It's like, all right, chill, dude. It's kind of like you and Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I have a thing with Lonzo Ball. I've never liked him. I never thought his shot would translate Ooh, to the, the, to the league. What did 21-year-old ever do to you? Oh, nothing. Hmm. But have an ugly, terrible shot. You have to admit, it's pretty gross. Like, make you want to shower your eyeballs after you watch it gross. Uh, well, don't know. Like, even when it goes in, I'm always like, whoa. It's like, Ray Allen had the opposite effect. Like, Ray Allen goes up for a three, and you can break it, and you're like, oh, that was beautiful. Right? Mm. And then Lonzo Ball shoots from, like, the corner, and it goes in nothing but net, and I still go, ah, ooh, ah. It's like a Picasso. <laughs> you, appreciate, you appreciate beauty in the chaos. Yeah, but Picasso was much more consistent than Lonzo Ball. <laughs> Mm. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Got any more? Uh, well, this one's for this one's for Lara. Uh, pecan or pecan? Riveting. That really is. This is the best. What's the streak, David? <laughs> oh, okay, that's what we were talking about. Okay, so the streak is he threw 420 passes without throwing an interception. The longest streak in NFL history. It's not a game. Like a game streak, it's not a season streak. Not a game. Not not, not, not a not, not a, game. a game. Not a game. Throws. So Tom Brady held the record before. What makes what Aaron Rodgers did so impressive to me is he was asked to throw the ball so much to make that offense work because they were handing a ball to a guy with was number eighty seven, mm-hmm. right? But also 
the windows he had to throw in were so tight, and he had to be so precise and so perfect with his reads and his throws, and he still wasn't throwing interceptions. He's only thrown two all year, and he had that streak in between the two interceptions of 420-plus passes, which is the longest streak ever. And so I, that's super impressive, especially considering the situation, especially considering the tight windows he has to throw in. Now, I don't know if you saw the interception, but it wasn't like he threw it straight to a guy or threw a bad throw or made a bad read. No. He was trying to get into a tight window, and it happened to bounce off a guy and go up in the air, and a defender yeah. had to uh, happen to catch it. So while it was, maybe wasn't the best decision or the best throw he's ever made, it didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily an ugly, bad interception. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just a ball bounced the wrong way. I feel like those those types of interceptions, or at least the ones where it's like, in the initial contact is is on the receiver's hands. Like those should not count as interceptions, right? There, there are some analysts that that analyze quarterback play that track what they call interceptable passes, mm. passes that could have been intercepted by the by the defense due to quarterback error, right? Kean Fahey from Ireland, who's a who's an analyst who I like to to follow and things like that. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. He is from Ireland. It throws you off when... Uh, oh, you don't say. Yeah, is yeah. That, is that Irish? Ugh. I don't know. No, it wasn't. It started off maybe, right. and then I did not end it well. But one of my favorite things is he'll be like, on turn down, he makes the troll. And it's like, <laughs> it's so great. It's so weird to hear him talking at first. Like, it was shocking when I first heard him talking football on ESPN radio back yeah. when he did that stuff. But then he started breaking stuff down, and he's given information. I was like, this guy's amazing, and he's not even breaking down soccer. He's breaking down American football. It was really cool. But he actually tracks that, intercept, interceptable passes and things like that. Does, so. he, does he track the opposite? Uh passes that were intercepted but shouldn't have been yes yes like passes that go through the receiver's hands that end up mm-hmm. in the, the the defense's hands yes he also yeah. tracks uh and, and other analysts are doing too this isn't unique to him but he's the one i'm most familiar with uh he also tracks yards and touchdowns lost due to drops another receiver error like if a if a receiver clearly runs the wrong route yeah he'll actually track that too and stuff like that so uh there are ways to to analyze quarterback play a little better than just the typical normal stats and, yeah, you, you can find it if you look out there. Hmm. Uh, other top team that did not have a great showing this week, Los Angeles Rams. Um, Jared Goff took off his mask and revealed that he's actually Jared Goff. What? All over again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, what's funny that you say that? I watched a, uh, a YouTube video. It's called The Transfer, where Jared yeah. Goff goes to a small school in California. Okay. Like He puts on makeup and a wig and starts like throwing the ball around. Yeah. And like he's like, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm getting warmed up because he kind of like, he plays, uh, what do they call that? He uh, like a pool, he pull sharks him a little bit. Like he, he sandbags him a little bit. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, let's pull it back. And goes back to like his own 30 and starts throwing balls like 70 yards and stuff. And everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> and all the quarterbacks on the college team think they're going to lose their job to this transfer. Yeah. It's so funny. And then at the end, he's like, "Bring, come up here, Jared. And he comes and takes off his wig and stuff. And it was like, it's Jared Goff. And it's a big deal. Uh, it was fun. But anyway, yeah, takes off his mask. He's uh, actually Jared Goff. Yeah, seven interceptions, I think, over the last two games. Hasn't been pretty. He had that four-pick game, right? Yeah, four picks two weeks ago. Um, not great in Denver uh, what, a month and a half ago. Yeah. The, the past three games, really, he has not looked good. And the Rams altogether have not looked good. Right. The defense uh, is is not playing up to up to their ability like they were in the first what ten weeks, twelve weeks of the season. And so they're they're going in the wrong direction. They're right now they would be the two seed in the NFC, um, and they have winnable games to 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 end the season. But um, it feels like they just lost all the momentum they had. Like. Three weeks ago, you would have said they're the clear best team in the NFL. Yeah. Or may- maybe with the Saints. The way their defense was playing, especially. Yeah. Uh, but now, they it just feels like they've lost some of their identity. 
Yeah, and I feel like Goff has gotten uncomfortable. I feel like teams are throwing off his timing. Mm-hmm. Like I talked about last week, they he, he when he can step back and throw in rhythm, he does fine. But if he has to wait on routes to develop, if he has to sit and wait, or if he has to uh, step up in the pocket uh, uh, with pressure in his face and stuff like that, he can't make the throws that he needs to. Mahomes, on the other hand, can do that, and he's doing it really well. That's why I feel like he has a, a brighter future. He looks more comfortable in those situations. Goff, though, I think... Teams are starting to recognize you disrupt the routes and disrupt Goff's timing, and he can't make the throws he needs to. I am off Goff, and I'm rolling with my homies. Did you practice that? No, it just occurred to me. Did it? Yes. Just a, one of those gifts from above that just pops into your head. You don't say. Mm, I don't know. Foles is back. Foles is going to lead the Eagles to another Super Bowl. I kind of hope that happens. Car- Carson Wentz is out for the season. He uh, vertebrae fracture, something, something not like good, that. Yeah. something not great. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's had back problems kind of since he's entered the league, and it was like a clear choice. It seemed like after the after their rookie year between Wentz and Goff, like oh Wentz, like the Rams should have taken Wentz. Yeah, but um, as their careers progress and. Wentz is, has had so much injury history now to this point. You uh, you wonder what his future looks like. And I, I don't know if durability is a is an attribute like on Madden. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, like some some quarterbacks' uh, durability is like ninety nine, and some yeah. are like forty. I, I don't think that's a real life thing. I think it's just happenstance. I think it's just luck for the most part. Uh, Colt might disagree with us because remember one of our first shows he broke down the the medical side of the draft yeah. and things like that and they actually look at how much tension the the ligaments can take and stuff yeah. like that but depends also, how much yak testosterone you're injecting into your thighs exactly that yet the the yak uh, yeah yik yik the, the, <laughs> they they misspell it so that it complies with the uh, is that what it is the, the FD, policy yeah yeah there you go it's not yak it's yik it's yak <laughs> anyway what else uh, Patriots Steelers that was a fun game. No, that was not a fun game. That was an entertaining game yeah. because it was dramatic towards the end. The last few minutes were exciting. Yeah. And the NFL does this in amazing ways. The games that are terrible and bad, mm-hmm. like the five, for some reason, the six to nine game can still be exciting as long as it ends in an exciting way. <laughs> for, for our podcast listeners, David is giving the quote fingers. A lot. Yeah. He's flying away, a la Chris Farley. Um... So Patriots, the, the Chris Farley had this bit on on SNL, right? And he goes, uh, he comes out and he says, "I have what doctors call a bit of a weight problem. Yeah, okay. I'm antisocial. I don't bathe myself. I." And, and by the end of this, and he's doing these in, in quotes the whole time. By the end of the sketch, he's flying away. So, Good what, stuff. One of the one of the best SNL sketches of all time. Um, Patriots are not looking good. They've lost uh, two in a row, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, one to a team or that three they, in a row. Two, I don't know. One they should have. One they definitely should have should have won. They they should beat Miami. Yeah, Miami's Miami Miracle. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then the the Steelers game though. The Steelers are a good team, especially at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you watch the final play of that game, I think Brady was trying to throw to Gronk coming up over the top, but Edelman would cut across underneath, and I think they were trying to distract everyone with Edelman coming across underneath, and he was going to try to drop it into Gronkowski off the ball. He just couldn't get it up over the yeah. top, and so a, a Steelers defender was able to make a, a play on the ball. There were some very uncharacteristic Patriot plays and some very uncharacteristic Brady plays in right. that game. Brady continues to miss some throws. He's missing throws, and he had a horrible interception off, off his back foot. 
in the red zone. More of a bad decision than a bad throw because no one can really make that throw except for maybe Aaron Rodgers yeah. and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but, 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 but a throw Brady wouldn't make, wouldn't try yeah. to make, right? Yeah. He got he took a sack right before halftime and the clock ran out instead of, uh, instead of throwing it away and kicking a field goal. And, um, Which would have changed the game. Right. And, and the Patriots as a team had like 14 penalties, which is very un-Belichick-like. Yeah. Not, not, not a characteristic of a Belichick team. But look what has to happen for them to lose that game against the Steelers. They have to have basically yeah. an epic collapse when it comes to Brady missing plays he normally doesn't and all those penalties. That won't continue. I think we're always ready to bury the Patriots. I think they, they won't ever have that game again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Although we... we we may witness something we've never seen in Tom Brady's career, and that's a Patriot team with a losing record in December. They're one and two right now in December. They've got two games left, very winnable games. Um, but could are, they, the f- are they in their division? Are they division games? I think so. Yeah, they'll win those. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and <laughs> but uh, the 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 Steelers very happy to come away with the win. The Patriots, much like Aaron Rodgers owns the the Bears, the Patriots more or less own the Steelers. But they've kind of owned everybody, so. It's true. Um, but but specifically the Steelers. The Steelers yeah. have a really hard time with, with the Patriots. And uh, Mike Tomlin was asked after the game, this is maybe the quote of the year for the NFL. I'm still trying to understand what it means entirely. Oh, well, I'm pretty good at literature, so let's do <laughs> you're, this. You're really good at literature. Uh, and so Mike Tylen was asked, like, you know, what was different about this time? The, the Patriots had their shots, and, and you thought they were gonna they were gonna push through and maybe take the game back. What was different about this time for for the Steelers? And he said, sometimes you've got to cut off your eyelid. You got to cut your eyelids off when you want to blink when it gets thick. I'm gonna try that again. Sometimes you've got to cut your eyelids off when you want to blink when it gets thick. Hmm. Okay, so hmm. I'm good at literature. Yeah. I wouldn't call that literature. No. I got nothing. Yeah. I think what he's trying to say is we didn't blink. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. Let me reread that. Like when you're when you're up against a difficult situation and you blink or you hesitate, right? Like in the past, maybe they blinked and let the Patriots back in the game. And so he's saying, sometimes you just gotta cut off your eyelids so you can't blink, even when it gets thick. Which I thick maybe means difficult. Like in the hard? thick of it. Yeah, maybe. Like in the thick of it. I think it, yeah. he combined like three sayings into this morbid, like very so gross <laughs> analogy. It's a little macabre, right? So I, I feel like macabre. I feel like uh, coaches and quarterbacks are really great at throwing like cliches at <laughs> yeah. you. Got to keep chopping. Got to keep the axe moving. You got to show up every day. You got to keep your head down. You got to keep your nose to the grinder, that kind of stuff. Sure. They're good at doing that. And Tomlin was like, I'm going to throw everybody an awesome curveball and mash four of them together and just confuse <laughs> everybody. Like all the writers were like either recording on their phones or like on their devices or they, they were like, typing stuff up and they were like, huh? And no one knows what he said after that. They were all just bewildered by what happened there. Yeah. Cut so, off your eyelids. <laughs> so those were the, the big games from the weekend. And now we have uh, a clearer but not set picture of what the, the, the playoff seeding will look like. Uh, so we're going to throw up an image here. Um, if, the play, if the season ended today and, and we've got the, uh, a game underway that's not going to affect this image, could, could end up affecting the, the seeds uh, after the season's over, but... You've got the the Chiefs in the one seed in the AFC, 
Texans two seed. Uh, the Patriots would be the third seed. The, the Steelers would be the fourth seed. Patriots would host the Ravens, which is like their worst nightmare, right? If there's like one team that's had like some actual luck and a good record against the Patriots in the playoffs, it's the Ravens. And they always seem to pull off some kind of miracle game or miracle throw to, to, to defeat the Patriots. Right, and it's a, it's a year-by-year thing, of course, but yeah. I, I'd rather have Lamar Jackson in there than Joe Flacco, straight up. Yeah, uh, and then the, the Steelers would host the Chargers, and they hosted the Chargers, like we said, two no, weeks they, ago. Yeah, no, that oh, was, the Steelers would host the Chargers, yeah. Yeah, the Steelers would host the Chargers, and uh, they did that two weeks ago and lost. And this is that weird, you know, we talked about it last week, where the Chiefs are the one seed, and they have an identical record to the Chargers, who would be the five seed today. So the Chargers, with tied for the best record in the league, would have an away game to start the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that and that's still very much up in the air, right? I mean, if the Chiefs lose one game and the Chargers win out, then you flip it and the Chiefs now go from the 1 seed to the 5 seed. Um, you've got some other teams in the hunt in the in the AFC. You've got the Colts, uh, the Titans, the Dolphins and the Browns. The Browns. Let's talk let's just talk about the Browns for one second. I love that they're in the hunt. That's cute. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to pull this down. I want to talk about the Browns for a second. Um, so Hugh Jackson was fired midseason. Um, Hugh Jackson had been the coach of, of the Browns for two and a half seasons. His his record over the past two and a half seasons was three thirty six and one, three wins, thirty six losses, one tie. Um, Greg Williams, who's taken over over the past six games, he's coached a total of six games, has one more win than Hugh Jackson. He's four and two. Hugh Jackson's winning percentage with the Cleveland Browns was 8.8%. Uh, part of this will coincide with the rise of Baker Mayfield. Right? Of course, yeah. Right? Um, Mayfield came on, what was it, the second, third game of the season, and uh, got a couple wins for, for Hugh Jackson before he was fired, and they've kept on winning. <laughs> he doubled his win total from the last two years. <laughs> yeah, he really, he really did, yeah. Got him two wins before he was fired. Uh, and so they... They're a hot team, and they're a confident team. They went to Denver, which is... Denver's not having a great year, but it's always a difficult place to play. They gave the Chiefs trouble. They gave the Chiefs trouble. The Chiefs offense struggled in Denver. Yeah, and they've, they've had some good wins. They've had some bad losses. Uh, but I think, like I said, if you played, if you started the season over midseason, Cleveland Browns would win the AFC North. I'm looking forward to this team next year. I hope they... they I don't really know their contract situation. I hope everyone gets to come back, and I hope we get to see a full season of Baker Mayfield. I don't know if Greg Williams is going to be the coach uh, or not moving forward. Why would you not let him keep that job? You let Hugh Jackson keep that job for three and thirty-six, and the yeah. dude started four and twelve. If, if you go one and fifteen in your first season and zero and sixteen in your next season, and you still keep your job, I think keep the guy who's four and two. Yeah. Right? Um, okay. So the Browns have a very slim but very real chance to make the playoffs okay they don't have <laughs> here's what the- here's what has to happen um they have two games left they have to win both those games okay one of those games is against the ravens okay and that's whose spot they would be taking they'd be taking the sixth seed okay so they win both their games ravens lose both their games dolphins lose at least one game colts and titans lose this week and then they play each other in week 17, they'd have to tie. <laughs> okay? Because if either one of them wins, they end up with nine wins, which would be more than, than Cleveland's eight. 
right? Speaking of the Titans, yeah. Did you see them do the Remember the Titans celebration after the, um, a no. great defensive play? It was awesome. They did who? Ha! A few? Ha! Real good. They did that thing. Nice. It was great. I'm surprised it took this long for the NFL team named the Titans did something from Remember the Titans. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess the No Fun League just would have flagged them before now. <laughs> now it's the Semi Fun League. The Mostly Fun League? The Sort of Fun League. Semi Sweet Chocolate Chip Fun League. Yeah, mine was better, but go carry I on. got semi-sweet chocolate chips on the brain. It's Christmas. Christmas. So that's the only time you get semi-sweet chocolate chips? It's when I indulge, David. Carry on. Uh, all right, so here's what we're hoping for. Two Browns wins, two Ravens losses, one Dolphins loss. Colts, Titans, lose next week, tie week 17. Easy peasy. And then we get to see Baker Mayfield plant a flag. In uh, at Gillette Stadium <laughs> after they beat the, the Patriots. <laughs> not that not that I would do this, but if we put one dollar on this scenario <laughs> to happen at Vegas, what would we make? Like fifty grand? Seven million dollars? Probably. Gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's bring our let's bring our graphic back up. So in the in the NFC, we've got the Saints as the one seed. They're playing tonight. They're eleven and two um, in a tight battle with the the Panthers right now. They play the Panthers twice over there. Uh, including this week, the next three weeks. And um, Rams, we talked about the Rams. They're in the two seed, 11-3. and three. Um, If the season ends today, the Bears would host the Vikings, and the Cowboys would host the Seahawks. Um, but lots of movement still t- t- in, in the NFC. You've got three teams still alive. Eagles are still alive. Redskins still alive. Panthers still alive. The, the Eagles, Redskins, it's probably going to be whoever wins the the NFC East if the Cowboys can hang on, which it seems like they should because the Eagles and the Redskins are not good teams. No, well, the Cowboys aren't a good team either. I mean, they've they, been a hot team, though. Well, yeah. But they, but, but they did get pounded this week, like yeah. 23 nothing. First time they've been shut out in 15 years. Yeah. And, and good teams are consistent, right? And the Cowboys aren't a consistent team. And they went on a little streak, but... They clearly can't sustain that, so yeah, I don't think they're as good a team as, as people thought they were the last few weeks. Yeah, and then um, I guess last thing with the NFL, unless you had anything else, was Flacco. We kind of talked about Flacco. Seems like the the Ravens are gonna release him or look to trade him. I think they want to do right by him and put him in a situation where he'll be used. But um, I don't know where that is. Um, I mean, Jags we talked about, the Dolphins. Giants. I, don't I think know. I'd rather have Tannehill than than Flacco. Yeah, I I I'd rather have almost anyone than Flacco. Yeah, right? Because, I don't I don't think his, Flacco makes you better. You no, know, because of his age, because yeah. of the contract he would demand, which blows my mind that he would make a ton of money because he he's not that great yeah. anymore. Maybe yeah. he was good before. Maybe he had the big arm talent. But if you remember, the only reason they beat Denver. That year they made the playoff run and won the Super Bowl was because a, a Broncos busted safety coverage. Like not, but not even a busted coverage. He he was fell. perfect coverage, but he just misplayed a ball yeah, so badly right, that right. it just kind of dropped right in behind him. For so so Flacco had to have the stars align perfectly for him to win a Super Bowl, and he's not one of those quarterbacks that makes your team better. He's one of those quarterbacks that might manage a few games for you to get a win when your defense plays well. But he's not a, a quarterback that I'm gonna trade for or sign yeah. unless I wanted him to back up my young stud. Yeah, all right. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back in a few. It's my favorite time of the week. 
yeah, I mean most. It's it's one of my favorite times of the week. It's like top 15 of my favorite times of the week. It started off real nice and then it got really lame real quick. <laughs> uh, so. It's David's Hot Take Minute. David, take it away. All right. On the first day of podcast, David gave to us Hot Take Minute. You can't run with us. Go, I'm going to wait till you run with us. Joyous on a bus um, with the crust. Uh, the near run. Not bogus. And he's going to show us. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah. Dave, saw take a minute. We'll fix that in post. Will we? You do know this is live, right? Zoinks. <laughs> Zoinks. Jeez. <laughs> <clears throat> Steph Curry doesn't think men have ever been to the moon. So the Sacramento Kings got to win the only way they can against the Warriors. During the Warriors player introductions, the arena played video footage of the Apollo 11 moon landing. I might be a Sacramento uh, Kings fan now. By the way, Steph not believing in science and history is not a good look for Davidson College. I don't like the band Daughtry. Never have, never will. The NFL has an amazing ability to make every team and every fan base think they can win every week. Just look at any in the playoff hunt graphic during NFL games and you will see what I mean. You will see the Browns. And therefore, you'll see what I mean. I love that we have to give the MLB offseason a nickname to make it seem more interesting than it is. The Hot Stove. I will say this. There are few things more endearing in sports than listening to Tim Kirchner talk about baseball. I haven't seen a left-handed outfielder with an arm like this guy since the Buffalo Builders Ebenezer Jorgensen th threw out a fig tree league best 45 runners at home in the 1894 season. That record stood for five years before it was broken by the German cannon himself, Friedrich von Eymann, who threw out an unbelievable 52 players at home. Von Eymann also led the league that year in legs broken with slides into second base, which didn't become an official stat until that year. That was a bad Tim Kirchner impression, <laughs> but you can imagine the cadence and him actually saying those things, right? I think he's actually said that before. That was actually a direct quote I pulled from the interwebs. When's the last time you saw a reverse work in the NFL? I think NFL offensive coordinators need to stop watching you remember the Titans. Left side! Strong side! Alright, what does that mean? <laughs> Alright, Anthony, what's your favorite sports movie? Uh, Rudy. Rudy? Yeah. Nice, that makes sense. You're, you're a, a Notre Dame fan. Huge Notre Dame fan, right? Big year for Notre Dame football. I'm surprised we haven't talked more Notre Dame football this year. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Temperate expectations. That's nice. They did go 12-0. I know. Anyway, coach of the year. Did, oh, did he win? He won. Good. Over Saban. People are like, what? Everyone's like, well. <laughs> Mine, my favorite sports movie is Star Wars Episode One. No. Nope. Yeah, I categorize it as a sports movie because there's a pod race. And if That's NASCAR important. is a sport, if NASCAR is a sport, pod racing is definitely a sport. Wait a second. Star Wars Episode Two has a video playing in the background of a bar, uh, you know, the bar scene where Anakin is looking for Zam Wessel after the attempted assassination of Padme Amidala. Maybe I need to change my favorite sports movie to Star Wars Episode Two. Wait, no. Lightsaber fights are basically fencing, so all of them are sports movies, except Solo. Wait, are there any lightsabers in that movie? <gasps> it's the only Star Wars movie without lightsabers. Wait, I have it. My favorite sports movie is Little Giants. I use these for acid indigestion. <laughs> okay, I'm intimidation. <laughs> intimidation. I'm I'm workshopping ways to end the hot take minute. Here's the first attempt. Hot take minute, go boom. Wow. 
Well done, David. It's a... so patronizing the way you say that every time. Good job. Good job, Dave. Pat me on the head. It's like when one of my students is like trying really hard and yeah. they do okay. Yeah. Um, okay, quick thing about Steph Curry. Yeah, it is funny about him not believing in the moon landing. I think the more hilarious thing he said this week, though, was that this current Warriors team could take down the 0-1 Lakers. <laughs> Kobe, Shaq, young Kobe, prime Shaq. Doesn't matter who else is on the team. Kind of matters, especially when the fourth best player, when the fourth fourth best player on the Warriors is better than your third best player on the oh, Lakers. I wish I wish we could I wish we could have that game. I wish we could see that. We can't. And Steph went on to say it's not fair to compare errors because just a different game. Right, and, and I agree with that 100%. But I think we can objectively say that Steph Curry and Kevin Durant would shoot a million threes and make a ton of them. And then, of course, there's Klay Thompson running around, who's probably the second best three-point shooter of all time, and no one pays attention to him because the best shooter of all time happens to be on his team and is so much better than him. I mean, with the Warrior, what we're seeing in the Warriors is just crazy. There's no comparison to what we're seeing with them right now. Monsters. I'll allow it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was funny about what you said about the hot stove. It is true. It's like the baseball season is is the, on the complete opposite spectrum of exciting compared to NBA offseason. NBA offseason, the dumbest stuff happens. The littlest thing happens <laughs> and we all lose our minds, right? Yeah. And then the MLB, like big, big trades go down and no one even pays attention. It doesn't, yeah, because, doesn't even make sports sense. Because sometimes. any one player, wow. it's so hard for any one player to have that big of a, like the best player in baseball has like a five war. Right, like wins above replacement, so like they're gonna help your team that much over the course of 162 games. Right, so the best player, what many consider to be the best player in the game right now, that's not a pitcher, is Mike Trout, mm-hmm. and the Angels are not good. <laughs> right, right, and they have Shohei Otani, who's also a great young uh, player, and still they can't seem to string together a winning season. Yeah. So yeah, baseball, it, the the one team, tra- the one player transaction, things like that, don't really get the blood boiling in baseball like mm-hmm. they do in the NFL or the NBA, especially the NBA. Yeah, and the, and the two superstar uh, players that are free agents this offseason have yet to sign. There was a report that the Yankees are now targeting Machado. I mean, it feels like the Yankees are always targeting everyone Everybody, who's good. Yeah. So and and sometimes agents will will try and throw that out to to garner interest from other teams. Uh, so we'll we'll see, we'll see on that. I, I don't know that they really need a shortstop. It wouldn't hurt. I mean, you'd but love Didi, to have a Machado. But Didi Gregorius is a great shortstop, and I don't think they want to do anything with him. Yeah. But at third, you can always use Machado at third base, like the Orioles did. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Harper, not a whole lot of movement there. I do think if if the Yankees sign Machado, I think Phillies go hard after Harper. I think they're kind of waiting to see the market. I, I think they'd like. I think Phillies get one of them. Yeah, you think they get Machado or Harper? I think so. Because they could use bo- either of them. They could use both of them. And they've got the money. They've got cap room. Uh, and they've got the kind of young, up-and-coming team. Um, they don't have a very tough division. The Braves, I guess, are on the upswing. But but they could be competitive. They had a better year than, than uh, expected this year. So I think they're trying to cash in right now. So whoever, I think they'll, they'll kind of survey the market and whichever one will fall to them, they take. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait. I don't know that much is going to happen before the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. But what I something that I found interesting 
uh, David Sampson, and I've mentioned him a little bit on the show. He's an interesting figure because he was uh, president of baseball operations for the Miami Marlins for years when they won the World Series and then during all their epic collapses and all the fiasco that they've had to sell uh, to the Jeter organization, um, all that stuff. He's uh, He wasn't able to really talk about what goes on in Major League Baseball because he was still under contract, but he's been kind of unleashed. And so in South Miami, he's going on radio and he's talking about some uh, insider uh, Major League Baseball stuff. And one of the most interesting things he said was he uh, went out and he called out Scott Boris, the... Uh, the agent, they call him a super agent. He's the one that uh, gets all of these big contracts for these big players. He was Jose Fernandez, the Miami pitcher that, that died in the boating accident. He was his agent. He's now uh, Bryce Harper's agent. And David Sampson had just awful, awful things to say about uh, Scott Boris, that he is awful for his players, that all he does is tries to get them the next big contract. He doesn't deal with team presidents or GMs. He just goes straight to the owners because he knows that that the owners may not have all the baseball knowledge that the GMs and the, and the team presidents do. And he kind of preys on these teams and these owners to get the big money contracts. Yeah. And it was just really interesting to hear how David Sampson was talking about this guy. I mean, he called him scum, basically. Called him like one of the worst people he knew, uh, mostly because of the way that he interacted with the Jose Fernandez family in that situation. And it wasn't pretty. I mean, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here, but if it interests you, uh, it's definitely something to look at and something that might concern you if, if you like sports and if you see sports as a, as a place where, where people are supposed to have moral character and things like that. I, I, I've been jaded enough to know that that's not always the case. But he's going to try to get Bryce Harper $400 million. He wanted $500 million for him before, 10 years at $50 million. Now I think they're shooting more for 10 years at $40 million. But... By all reports, Scott Boris is just a terrible, terrible person, and he's the one uh, advocating for these players to get these big contracts. So I I thought that was fascinating. And you can go in there and you can look at uh, Scott Boris and his past and things like that, and he's just not a good person. And I found found that conversation that David Sampson was having to be very interesting, and what, what he did... Uh, in the Jose Fernandez situation really left a bad taste in my mouth for Scott Boris, and I'm sure he's not the only agent like that. So it was just a really interesting look and insight into uh, managers and these contract negotiations and things and the interaction these managers have with players and their families. On the first day of Christmas, David gave to us a tirade about Scott Boris. I did it. Can we move on to the NBA now? NBA time. Yeah, you go, you go. NBA go. Me go? Yeah, you go. Okay, my favorite thing about the NBA this week, um, other than the LeBron James, Lonzo Ball triple-double game, they each had a triple-double. First time for the Lakers since 1982. Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Who? A couple of old guys. Yeah. Uh, first time it's happened Is in it, the league since 2007. Mo- Jason Kidd, Vince Carter. Aren't they movie stars? <laughs> yes. yes. Magic and Kareem? Uh, yes, one was in um, Airplane. Yep. What was Johnson in? One was in, uh, I don't care. One was in, uh, <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar actually had a, a pretty close relationship with Bruce Lee. And yeah. he was in a Kung Fu movie. Kung Fu so. yeah. Uh, also, Vince Carter dunking is one of my favorite things in sports right now. When Vince Carter dunks? Wait, current dunks. Current dunks. Yeah. I love that. And he'll do the, he'll do the rev up ce- celebration. Oh, you couldn't see that on camera, but he does he does that rev up celebration where he goes up and he like revs up the bike, you know? And that's something that he started. No, he's not crying. Oh, okay. He's revving up the he's revving up the motorcycle, right? That's something that he started in North Carolina when he was playing with Antoine Jameson. And they were just dunking on everything. And to see him do that still, it brings it brings joy to my heart. Like legitimate joy to my sports heart to see Vince Carter dunking in his eighties or however old he is now. 
<laughs> great. So my so my other favorite thing this week was the botched Suns Wizards Grizzlies trade. Okay, there was a trade that ended up happening. Yeah. The, the Trevor Ariza was traded to the Washington Wizards from the Phoenix Suns for uh, Kelly Oubre, excuse me, and uh, Austin Rivers. Okay. An, an inconsequential trade. How Austin Rivers stays in the news, I, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but before that, there was a trade. Well, there was uh, there was an agreed to trade on bad information. Okay. So the Suns thought they were trading Trevor Ariza to the Wizards, and they thought they were getting in return from the Grizzlies. There was a three-way trade. I don't know all the pieces involved, but their understanding was the Grizzlies were going to send to them, to the Suns, Dylan Brooks. Okay, and let's just uh, let's just pull up Dylan Brooks so we so we know who we're talking about. I think the visual is gonna gonna help. So the Suns thought they were getting Dylan Brooks. Great second-year player. Really good. Bright future. Okay? Ooh, 99 and, kilograms. <laughs> yeah. Anyone, anyone would want him. Um, young. He's only 22. Especially for Trevor Ariza, who's on a one-year deal and isn't going to help your young team next year or, or anywhere in the future. Um, <laughs> okay. So they had been communicating with Washington, and Washington had been relaying the message to the Grizzlies. And so everyone agrees, okay, Ariza's going out of the Suns, Washington's probably going to send picks to the Grizzlies or some some combination of players to the Grizzlies, Grizzlies are going to send Dylan Brooks to the Suns. Except when it's brought to the Grizzlies' attention who they're sending out, they say, wait a second, we're not trading Dylan Brooks, we're trading Marshawn Brooks who is uh, not a second-year player. He's 29 years old and not nearly as good as Dylan Brooks and uh, someone the Suns wouldn't really care to have on their team. And so, <laughs> super embarrassing situation. The Suns say they got a, they, they had a confirmation from the Grizzlies that they were getting Dylan Brooks. The Grizzlies said they never even spoke to the Suns. <laughs> they said they were only speaking to the Wizards and that the Wizards were speaking to the Suns. And so, like any classic game of telephone, I tell you, Marshawn Brooks, you tell the next person, Dylan Brooks, and that's how... I tell you, Vince Carter is dunking on everyone. That's <laughs> yeah. how telephone usually goes. The greatest thing about all this is that the coach of the Washington Wizards... Scott Brooks. <laughs> so you had the, the, Brooks, the Brooks trifecta. Okay, uh, just it's hard hard to make this up. Um, really, really funny. I mean, I, how often? I wonder how often this happens, where you get like minutes, hours, days into a trade, based off just talking about a player's last name, and then um, <laughs> and then there's two players on the same team with the same last name, and then it comes up. Oh no, I'm talking about I'm talking about that one, right? right. And, and then a, tr a trade falls apart, but we never hear of it, right? This was very public and super embarrassing, but super fun to consume. No, for sure. Yeah. That was hilarious. So something I wanted to talk about, you put out a video oh, yeah. uh, last week. Uh, you said you were like a man possessed in the middle of the night. You had this thought after the LeBron D Wade game when we saw LeBron yeah. and D Wade play for the last time together. Right. They played in LA and it was a... It was a cool game to watch. They ended up guarding. Uh, LeBron ended up guarding D Wade at the end of the game, and, and uh, D Wade tried to play some hero ball and tried to put up a three to tie the game or win the game. And uh, LeBron snuffed it out, and they ended up hugging on the 
on the sideline, baseline. Super picturesque moment. Yeah, they, they're, great. One they of the, are one legit of the, best friends. I love their relationship because they are legit best friends. Yeah, one I of think the, that's so cool. One of the cool like historical moments in the NBA Absolutely. over the past you know, decade or so. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, so I put out a, a video on our YouTube channel. Check it out if you haven't. My top five NBA shooting guards of all time. And I went uh, Jordan number one, Kobe number two, D. Wade number three, Jerry West number four, and then AI Allen Iverson number five, um, and I think I didn't give a whole lot of reason for that. It was mostly kind of like my gut reaction. I think you know you could you could find any kind of statistics to back up that list or any variation of it. But those are my my personal top five. Right. I don't think I don't think Allen Iverson belongs in that group. I think he was definitely a point guard. I mean, most of his career he played as a shooting guard. Yeah, but I don't know. Especially when he was like winning MVP and getting to the finals. Right, but I, I just feel like at his size. I don't know. It just feels more like he was a a point guard type player. Yeah. Maybe I'm just remembering yeah, wrong. He's, Maybe he's a combo just, guard, but yeah. but yeah, okay, I, that's legit. And Jerry West, same thing. Like Jerry West was a point guard for part of his career. And like you talked about, it's hard to compare eras. And for his time, Jerry West was you know the best shooting guard in the game. Yeah. So yeah, and I guess if you want to take the S of of shooting guard and make it scoring guard, right? Like. Hmm. It, uh, yeah, I, and in I, that case, would Steph Cur- Steph Curry be considered a scoring guard instead of a point guard? Like, how would, how why do you differentiate what well, Steph well, I, Curry does to what Allen Iverson did? Well, because Allen Iverson actually played with another point guard at times, and okay, he gotcha. was like you know off ball and shooting guard. And he he was he filled the traditional shooting guard role. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so those are my top five. What, where, who would you have in your top five that I didn't have? I think Ray Allen has to be up there. I think okay. I would actually put Ray Allen. Uh, I don't know if you. That's the thing with this top five list. It gets yeah. so crammed that yeah. you don't know who to replace. But I think I think I would replace uh, Jerry West with Ray Allen, and I would put Allen Iverson maybe ahead of him. I don't know. I still have my reservations mm. about putting Allen Iverson on this list at all. But the way you describe it, uh, Allen Iverson four and maybe Ray Allen five, just because of how. He he was kind of ahead of the ahead of his time when it came to shooting yeah. uh, volume, but shooting at high percentage. Because a lot of times you hear the term volume shooter, and they're a guy that has to put up a lot of shots to get a lot of points. Kobe's a great example of that, right? But then you get uh, Ray Allen, who would shoot at a high volume. He shoot a lot of three pointers, but he would also make a lot of them. So he was kind of like ahead of his time when it came to this current NBA yeah. style of shooting a lot of threes, but being efficient at it. I I I think Ray Allen is my top ten. I couldn't have him top five just because. He was never the best player on his best teams. He, he was never. He wasn't, he wasn't the best player on the Celtics. He wasn't the best player yeah, on the Heat when they were winning championships. Didn't win a Finals yeah. MVP. Didn't win a regular season MVP. Um, and when he, yeah, when he was on the Celtics and Heat teams, he was the second, usually third option. Maybe I'm thinking of him as one of the best shooters of all time. Just I, shooters. I, yeah, right. and I think if you're if you're doing shooters, he's up there. Reggie Miller's up there. Obviously, Stephen Clay are up there. Yep. So, fun debate. Here's one little little bit of trivia for you, okay? There's a, there's a stat in the NBA, player efficiency rating. Okay. Okay, and it measures, um, it tries to take into account all the, like, the major stats, right? And, and distill it into one number, and the higher the number, the better, the more efficient you are as a player, okay? And um, so uh, if you take a minimum 1,000 minutes in the NBA, okay? So someone who's played significant time, right? At least like a season or had, had, had some, some, some playing time in the league. Minimum 1,000 minutes, the top three would be three, LeBron James. Yeah, makes Two, sense. Two, Michael Jordan. Also makes sense. Who do you think number one is? Kareem? Duncan? 
David Robinson. Uh, Carmelone. Uh, Oscar Robinson. He's playing right now. Dirk Nowitzki. He's playing right now. Manu Ginobili. Uh, he's playing on the Clippers right now. Jamal Crawford. Uh, oh, uh, Tobias Harris. Uh, who? Boban. Boban? Boban. <laughs> he has the highest. This guy's like seven feet six. Google seven Boban. Feet six, seven feet six inches tall, right? Boban Bogdanovich. <laughs> and it must just be the fact that he's when he's out there. He's like grabbing every rebound and has such a high field goal percentage because he's like he can literally just like place the ball in the hoop. Like there, are, there are pictures of him dunking and holding onto the rim while his feet are on the ground. <laughs> and and no one would confuse him with like an all star or and he's not in anyone's like top twenty list of like current NBA player. He's not even like top three, four best players on his team. He reminds me of Fezic. <laughs> Who? Fezic. Oh, from Princess from Bride. From Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No more rhymes. I mean it. Yeah. Anybody want a peanut? That's that rhymes. He reminds me of him, Andre yeah. the Giant. Yeah. So, uh, if if any if nothing else, it tells us that PER is a super flawed statistic, especially if you go with a sample size as low as a thousand. Minutes. You might want to increase the sample size to get a better a better uh, read on that for sure. But yeah. Boban's Boban's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us this week on Subjectively Correct Sports. This was a fun one. I had a lot of fun, at least. Well, yeah, you were sitting here listening to me. Anyone would just love that. Okay. See you Thursday. Ah! Good transition (laughs) at the end. Yeah. So, there was a story. um, There was this poacher in, I think it was Missouri. Was he poaching eggs? No, he was poaching deer. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. And uh, he, he, um, yeah, like killed like hundreds of deer illegally. And so he was, uh, he was sentenced to jail, sentenced for a year in jail, right? Okay. And as part of his punishment, he was ordered to watch Bambi at least once a month for his entire time in jail. In addition to like paying whatever fines and everything. But, um, is, is that cruel and unusual punishment? I, I, I that, think that not under cruel, but falling under unusual, right? That, that's a little unusual. I think it could be cruel, too. <laughs> Have you seen Bambi? Not a great movie. It's not. I think It does not hold up. No, it does not. I think it was good at the time because the animation was special, but, oh, that storyline drags, man. It drags. I don't yeah. care you Disney purists out there who said it changed the industry or whatever. No, it's not good. Yeah. I tried to think, like, okay. Raise your standards. Go see Incredibles 2 and tell me that Bambi's a classic. So I try to think like, okay, if I were convicted of some crime, regardless of the crime, and my punishment was to watch a movie like on loop, uh, what would that? What would be the greatest like punishment? Oh, for you, like what for me, would be like, the worst which, movie? Which watch? movie would it be? Oh, I think I know mine. What would be yours? Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Yeah. Okay. My sisters will know why. They used to watch that show, especially my little sister Lisa. Yeah. Religiously, that movie was on all the time at my house, to the point where I would get so bored with like pent up man aggression yeah. that I'd go to my backyard and hit rocks with sticks. <laughs> Mine would be any of like the Barney videos they released like, <laughs> in the mid 90s. My little sister watched those like just she watched them on loop just over and over again and I can't stand them. I, I don't love you. You don't love me. <laughs> we are not a happy family. You're a dinosaur dude. <laughs> Stop trying to make me Stop trying to make me part of your family. Also have you noticed that little sisters have uh, ruined our viewing experiences? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>